So, here we are then, brothers and sisters in Christ. One full week after the solemn liturgies of Christ's Passion and the celebration of the Eucharist, or the Resurrection, I hope that each of you have been able to receive something of the many gifts the people of this parish have lovingly offered in Jesus' name as expressions of our desire to better understand and live into the life that Jesus has revealed to us. To that end, every element in our worship became an act intended to portray what we have not seen and yet have come to believe. Thankfully, Jesus assures us that such a blessing is possible, but he's also mindful of the doubts that can limit our capacity to receive it. The author of today's gospel concludes his entire telling of the story of Jesus by plainly stating that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Instead, he wrote primarily of those signs that would be particularly helpful for the formation of disciples in the days to come. And the direct witness of the apostles could only be known by what was written in order that we also may come to believe and by virtue of such belief may have life in Jesus' name. Here everything turns on the basis of belief or the lack thereof on the part of would-be disciples, then as now. To illustrate his point, John the Beloved places the proverbial doubting Thomas front and center. One week after the risen Christ first stood among the disciples, with only Thomas absent. Thomas rejected their testimony that the Lord had risen and stood among them. He further stated the precise terms and conditions upon which he would accept their experience as true. Simply put, he wanted to see for himself first, and then he decided to believe. In this respect, Thomas could have been speaking for many of us, except that we do not have the presumed advantage of having witnessed in person the wonders and works of Jesus. But this seeing is believing mindset is a slippery slope to follow as a spiritual path. On the one hand, if a person cannot believe without direct physical and visual contact with the risen Christ, then they will most likely turn away completely in disbelief. On the other hand, if one declares their belief, as many have done over the generations, in a Jesus that bears little or no resemblance to the life that the Gospels show us, then we ought to carefully think about what belief means to us. If we do not encounter doubt somewhere along the way, we are certainly lacking self-awareness and are at high risk of sliding right off the trail altogether. In this respect, it is important to remember that Thomas did not abandon the community of believers, but continued to stay with them despite his doubts, and in the end, that made all the difference.
Doubt, expressed as a need for convincing proof, is a fact of the human condition. One way or another, we must deal with it. And to our surprise and relief, may even find that it is the door to another way of thinking. In Thomas's case, resolved doubt was the means to new insight concerning the risen Lord that aligns with Jesus' values and manner of life. We want certainty, but we need humility and faithfulness in the search for it. It would be a mistake to assume that we can know precisely what motivated Thomas's skepticism. The chief priests and scribes who mocked Jesus on the cross had their own motivation for calling him to come down so that we may see and believe. Everyone from Pilate to the crowd calling for Barabbas and even the bandits on the cross next to Jesus had their own reasons for doubting his identity as the Son of God. I am inclined to understand Thomas's point of view is a typical response to events that are contrary to natural order, as I have always known it. But I am also of a time and place that thinks convincing proof would be video footage of the death and resurrection. Though of late, even that would be subject to doubt and manipulation. In the main, these issues have little to do with Jesus as he was in himself. It's truly said that we do not see things as they are, but rather as we are. Thomas Keating, the Cistercian monk and founder of Contemplative Outreach, attributes Thomas's doubt, for instance, as stemming from the injured pride and bitterness of the false self, which felt diminished when Jesus revealed himself first to the other disciples. Keating tells us that, in effect, Jesus invited Thomas into a greater happiness than simply seeing him, but rather to believe in the resurrection because he experienced it as the Christ rising and manifesting its fruit within. Keating goes on to say, this is the living faith and empowers us to act under the influence of the Spirit, the same Spirit that Jesus breathed upon the apostles on the evening of his resurrection. In today's world, belief is commonly understood as referring to a dubious opinion, an unsubstantiated claim, a biased assertion, a fact-free idea, or sheer madness. If Jesus were involved in such things when he spoke of belief, he and his followers would have deserved their fate. But his words and actions carry the full weight of truth, and the world prefers to lie to itself. Plan there is to find who agrees to agree with you. Throw together a couple of words that appeal to the tribe, and then declare them as your belief, come hell or high water. As a society, we are now drowning in a hellish sea of free-floating belief, and everything that grounded us is threatened by the flood. Faithful Christians have always clung to Jesus 
as a rock, a refuge, a foundation, an anchor in a storm at sea, an ever-present help. And so we are called to believe him, not believe about him. For this reason, we dedicate ourselves to living life in his name, in accord with his way, as best we can. We learn by doing, and we believe what we learn. Ultimately, it is about believing in each other and loving the one you believe in. Still, our belief demands form and expression for the experiences that shape our faith. In his wisdom and foresight, Jesus gave us the means to be with him, to be in his presence, in the sacrament of his body and blood. That is what I believe. What the church believes is summed up the credo, that which I give my heart to. And in the liturgy, the work of the people, the wise liturgist tells us that liturgy is what we do in our lives before it is what we do in church. The work of Christ is the work of the people of God. That is what I believe. Day by day, if we attend to that work, attend to the weeds and the rocks in our own small garden, believing in the power of the Spirit that gives life, who knows what rare flower might blossom there. You might get over your death and see your own soul bloom. Amen. Oh,